episode 12, A Father's Role When Having a New Baby. Welcome to the Thriving Fatherhood Podcast, where we are living and working in the trenches to go from surviving to thriving in this mission field called fatherhood. My name is Brian Knight, and I am so glad to be back with you guys. I did not intend to be gone as long as I was for the, for the, from the podcast, so I'm now a father of three. Woohoo! On February 24th at 12.20 a.m., we had our healthy eight-pound baby boy named Wesley James was born. He uh, has been a delight and different from our other kids. I have uh, people tell me all the time, your kids will be uh, all be different, and they are right. None of our kids so far have been the same. So I thought about some topics for today and decided to talk about a lot of what has been happening in my life over the past few weeks. Um, I want to talk about a father's role during the birthing process. How can you support your spouse or partner during this time? I mean, it can sometimes be difficult to know where you fit in with all of this as a father. I would sum it up in three words. Support your wife or partner. What do I mean by this? Well, let's talk about it and I will give you my perspective and recent experience. It's funny, um, it has been over three years since we last had a newborn, and Bethany and I felt like we forgot what to do somewhat. So we have been relearning uh, what we once knew and learning new things that have changed since then and learning what works for our son, Wesley. Learning the routine that is best for everyone to get more sleep definitely is a priority. So let's start with the birthing process. We had our son Wesley at the Charleston birthplace, and that is also where we had our two older children. It is run by nurse midwives, and you have the the baby right there in the center. It's very safe, if something happen, happens to go wrong, the hospital is right there and on call for any difficulties. We have not had any problems with the three uh, we have had there. The most positive thing I will say is the midwives are amazing at coaching Bethany through the birthing process. Remember, she is doing this vaginally and with no epidural. Do not take getting a C-section lightly. There is a time and a place for that, but hospitals are way overdoing the number of C-sections just for convenience purposes for the practitioner, and yes, sometimes the mother. The birthing process can go in many different directions, but I think ours was what you would expect about 90% of the time. So my wife started feeling crampy and just different signs the day of and day before the actual birth. This is not her first rodeo, so she knew some different signs to look for. She called the midwife on call that afternoon uh, before she, uh, she gave birth to see if she could come in, and uh, things continued to progress for her. 
What you want to look for is consistent contractions. Not just contractions, but are they consistent and what is the time in between them? My wife started noticing that contractions were getting consistent, but she is not pushing or anything like that at this point. We decided to leave for the birth center at 8 p.m. that night on a weekday night. At this point, we were not sure if uh, she would have the baby when she went in, but they had us come in uh, on end since it is 45 minutes from our house. This also comforted Bethany so she could get peace of mind, you know, and just get looked at and just get the opinion of an expert that uh, knows if she's getting ready to give birth soon. My mother-in-law was on standby and stayed the night to watch after the older kids so I could be present for the birth. My wife already had um, her overnight bag ready. And fathers, you might want to have one of those for yourself as well. (laughs) I did not have one actually packed up for myself. But when I knew I was getting ready to go to the birth center, I sure figured out and uh, got motivated very quickly to get one. I would include some snacks, water, change of clothes, uh, toothbrush, comb, medications, etc. Just like you're going to stay overnight in a hotel. Pretty simple and basic. Uh, You know, just stuff that you don't want to stay overnight um, and be caught without. Um... And, you know, you never know when you might get something on your clothes and need to change those out or just want to take a shower and get some fresh clothes on. So on the way to birth center, we had no traffic. Um, When we got there, they were ready for us and uh, they took her vitals and listened to the baby's heartbeat. We waited for a while and then about 10 p.m. things started stepping up a notch. It was at that point we were glad we came in. From my recollection, it was not until about 10.45 p.m. where my wife was in actual labor. Usually, the more children you have, the quicker they come. Which it did in this case. From 11 p.m. up until the birth at 12.20 a.m. was intense for me, the midwives, and especially my wife. A natural birth will put a woman to her limits because of the pain. The pain is not necessarily a bad thing because all an epidural does is numb a woman's ability to be present with her body and what the pain is telling her to do during the birthing process. I'm sure Bethany would be able to add so much more detail, but uh, that was my perspective as an eyewitness and what I gathered uh, being a trained nurse as well. The pain allows a woman to be present with her body and to use the pain as a communication on when to push and when not to in order to deliver the baby as efficiently and safely as possible. Remember, when the mother gets an epidural, the baby gets some of the medication as well. We will, you know, personally, uh, my wife and I will pass on that. Instead of having a crying baby come out, Uh, you have a partially drugged baby that is born. So, you know, it's just, it's just not natural and just not the best for the newborn. Sometimes you just have to endure the pain. 
um, you know, you know, to have the uh, the best outcome. When the birth is actually happening, you will see the head of the baby first in most cases. Once the baby gets his shoulders out, it is usually smooth sailing from there. This process was a good 30 minutes for Bethany. She had to switch positions a few times based on the coaching from the midwives. They are masters at this and also being empathetic with anything else that may happen when a woman is trying to push a baby out with all their might. Also, they were great about reminding my wife to breathe and when to. Breathing is so much so important during the birthing process. And you know, this is why you need to be able to feel the pain. It just helps your body to be in rhythm and to just have control of the baby coming out. So as for me, the father, I held my wife's hand or allowed her to rest up against me while she was in the birthing process. Also, you can give her verbal cues of encouragement as the baby is progressing through the vaginal canal. They allowed me to cut the umbilical cord as well, which was a great experience. After the birth, uh, with the cord still attached, they allowed the baby to be held in the mother's arms so he can get skin-to-skin contact with the mother. If I remember correctly, they, or I cut the cord, then they clean the baby up, then weigh him and examine him. I am sure I'm missing uh, a few steps here. They also allowed me to do skin-to-skin contact with him laying on my chest. It was an amazing experience, to say the least. The birth process was very exhausting for my wife, and they wanted her to have a meal after the birth. We brought some healthy snacks with us, but they wanted more than that. So I looked for the healthiest option available in Mount Pleasant at 1.30 a.m. on a weekday night. I got her an omelet at IHOP. Anyways, she enjoyed that. Just another way I could serve my wife. Fathers, there's nothing like serving your spouse or children when they need something. Of course, for your kids, you have to look for those learning opportunities so that you can serve and not enable. During all this time, they would come in and take Bethany's vitals and monitor the baby's vitals, get his temperature, and examine his neurological status. Sometimes you can get a little sleep. The room you give birth in is like a nice hotel room with a big tub in it. It had a queen bed, a private shower, birthing stool, and some chairs. They they have to get the baby's blood type and some other labs. One thing they are looking for is RH disease. Real short, if you have an RH positive mother and an RH negative baby, some bad things might happen. You can look uh, that up if you want more details. So that was the thing they were looking for, or one thing they were looking for. Once the blood type comes back, they started getting us ready for discharge. This is now around 3 a.m. It uh, took about an hour for the nurse to go through all the discharge instructions and to get packed up and ready to go to the car. Oh, you will need a car seat uh, that has infant pads that is not expired. They will not let you take the baby home without this. So 
Pretty important. I want to get that ahead of time. More about a father's role. I carried all the heavy stuff, including the baby, to the van and brought it around front so my wife did uh, not have to walk far. You know, so you'll have the baby in the in the car seat, which, you know, with all that is going to be a weigh, weigh about 20 pounds. That's too much for her to carry. So you'll be carrying that. She has to take it easy for six weeks and is only allowed to lift the newborn, you know, seven, eight pounds. This is all to prevent bleeding from occurring uh, since she is high risk after the birth. If she starts bleeding, you know, and, and doesn't take it easy, then that's going to be an admission to the hospital. And you don't want that. So you want to avoid that at all cost. More about her, um, let's see. We were uh, able to leave around 4 a.m. and got back home around 4.45 a.m. All in all, uh, my two older kids were in the bed when we left and we got back home before they woke up. So, voila, they have a new baby brother. It is funny to look back, but both my wife and I were exhausted and the day was just getting ready to begin. That morning we stayed up so we could get my son off to school and I believe my mother-in-law stayed to watch my middle child. I went to bed around 7.30 a.m. and woke up around noon. I felt much better and immediately got to work on seeing what was going on with childcare. At this point, it is time to hit the ground running with three kids. Everyone said we would be outnumbered. They were right. But it is my duty as a father to make sure everything is in check and keep a stable household. In the next episode, I will talk about uh, how I supported my family in the following three weeks after the birth and my third child. You know, I was going to do that this episode, but it's going to make it super long. So I'm going to split it into two. So being that I'm already there at this present moment, three weeks after the birth, there will be a lot of great information that I look forward to sharing with you guys. I hope you will tune in next time for this in episode 13. That is what I have for you today. If you feel this show has been valuable to you, I encourage you to share it with three other fathers who could gain some insight from it and want more thriving in their lives. Also, if there's a topic you're interested in me talking about or have questions, please send it to Knight, B-R-I, that's K-N-I-G-H-T-B-R-I at gmail.com. You can also check out my website at brianjknight.com. I will be updating the pictures and content shortly, but you can still check out some of my work and contact me there. Also, if you would be interested in working with me or having me mentor you on your journey back from surviving to thriving in fatherhood, then send me an email or reach out to me through my website and we can set up a call to see if I can help you thrive more in your fatherhood journey. Thank you for listening. And until next time, continue thriving in fatherhood.